0: I think you were—you said, yup, just as I asked if you were ready, and then it, uh, so that was probably the first word anybody heard on the podcast, instead of the actual theme song of me opening yes. the beer.
1: So I want to say that we screwed up the theme song again, this time in reverse, <laughs> uh, because I said, okay, so just one, two, three, no practice countdown, just one, two, three, right? And Sean said, yeah, just one, two, three, and then so I opened my beer. Because
0: <laughs> I was confirming... <laughs> what we were talking about anyways welcome to it <laughs> to Past, uh the only podcast where i explain our stupid shtick every week and you probably get it by now so i'm not gonna do it anymore um my name is Sean michael patrick thompson as always your host and boom there i am and uh of course we have uh nick over here and chris over there uh so hi there's I'm chris and nick nick's on I'm you he might just jump in in the table topic and we might just talk about him behind his back in front of his back yeah the entire time, anyway?
1: He's just going to be standing there staring like a ghost for a bit.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, uh, today's beer of the week. Uh, no, I'm not doing beer of the week yet. First, I'm doing Drink Something Stupid, which is in my fancy ass wine glass. I have a wine glass. You're probably impressed.
1: I'm actually shocked. Since when do you drink wine? I,
0: I barely ever do. Um, my buddy Owen gave me these as a wedding present. They're actually really cool. They've got a little doohickey in the center there, if you can True. see on ye old video, uh, which is uh, like an agitator, so when you swirl the wine, it uh, agitates, agitates it. Agitates it. Makes yeah. it more pungent, or uh, whatever the fancy wino term for... Uh, Aerates it. Aerate, yeah. Sh- something along yeah. the line. Anyway, so... Today's I come from a family of whites. Oh, perfect. Um, my uncle makes wine, and he lives in not Colorado, so I don't see him very much. Uh, awesome dude, though. Um, anyways, uh, so today's drink of the week is a peach Bellini, which I have here. And um, so it's supposed to be a wine top or a champagne topper, which I'm like. I'm probably never going to buy champagne, but I happen to have a bottle of white wine here, so it's close enough. It's just not fizzy. Uh, I'm going to call it good. And I have another one of these little bottles, so if I do ever get champagne for some reason, I can see if it's actually much different uh, the other way. So, uh, yeah, I got. Uh, I haven't actually tried this wine yet either. It's some sort of a Sauvignon Blanc. I have no idea if that's how to pronounce that, but I think everything French is funnier if you say it like, hilariously, instead of normal. Suavillon, instead of Suavillon, as a, like, actual fancy French guy might say. Try and pronounce it with a German accent. Suavillon Blanc! That still kind of came out sort of French, but it's, like, angry French?
1: It's angry French. Yeah. Is German just angry German French? German is
0: just angry French. I have no idea how much of this wine I'm supposed to put in here, so...
1: That's a lot of wine.
0: Let's have one glass... And part of it's this a... is peachy shit.
1: Uh, I mean, uh, I... You're like I don't have a family
0: good... of winos. You should have warned me. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't... Okay. Uh, uh, hold it up to your hand in comparison. I, I need something to compare it against. Okay, that's not... That, that's like a decent amount of wine. Okay, okay. never mind.
0: And, and, and probably that much is uh, peach shit anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah. Quite peachy. Um. Weird. It's like... I'm drinking, like, slightly not peach juice. Not
1: peach juice.
0: Yeah, but it's, like, still peach juice. But it's not peach juice. And for today's epic glassware of the week, I have my awesome old Gandalf glass. Hi. Complete in box! Oh, snap! With... The fancy ass light up thing. Oh, it's dead the battery's dead. It doesn't light up. I'm sad now. Anyway. One
1: day one of these days I'll pull down my Ocarina of time glasses and have a drink with those. That'd be cool.
0: I didn't even know you had those.
1: Uh I've
0: still have yet to remove them from their box. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Seems like sacrilege.
0: It does. I would have like the minute I got home I would have had a beer. Um, anyways, uh, so let's go into, uh, whatcha playing, why don't we? So, uh, Chris, what have you been playing?
1: Uh, let's see, recently I've been playing, uh, a decent amount of Dead by Daylight as I've been continuing to play. Mm -hmm. I also picked up a game called Monster Train, which is an interesting kind of deck builder type game, where you pick, uh, main army and like an allied army. Mm-hmm. and you ride a train into heaven to go beat up the Seraph.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: uh and you like collect minions and spells along the way and it's really cool in that uh you can set it up and you have to you have like a little shard at the top that you have to protect it's like a tower almost like a tower defense game
2: Sounds but cool. it's
1: turn-based and you have like three different floors they have to go through to get to it okay. so it's got it's got a lot of interesting strategic elements to work with. I've been having fun with that. Um, I've also been playing more tabletop simulator, Secret Hitler, and Axis and Allies uh, across the internet with friends. And Axis and Allies I'm pretty new to, so
0: mm-hmm. I've been having fun with that. Cool.
1: It's about time.
0: bum Nick. bum Nick appears. And this is our guest, Nick introduces himself brown and he's muted again <laughs> what a cock dick <laughs> yeah anyways uh yeah Thanks, Nick. how dare he but anyways um yeah oh uh, so i've been playing some more final fantasy 7 remake i'm two trophies away from platinum i'm almost there i gotta beat literally the final boss and the secret boss that's a pain in the ass and that's all i have to do and then i'll be platinum Woo-hoo! so i'm almost there um that's been lots of fun uh played some more in tales of vesperia there's it's surprising how much shit i have just completely blanked out of my mind i'm just like meeting characters that are like seem like they're plot important or maybe plot important later and sometimes i'm like hey, seems kind of familiar and sometimes i'm like who the fuck what none of this is familiar it's so it's it's kind of cool uh going back um and also another weird thing that i randomly got into again was pokemon go oh that's interesting yeah um so they've added this like matchmaking battle thing uh so i got in and uh just tried it out and did a couple of matchmaking battles and it's It's actually kind of decent because the base gameplay when you're like raiding gyms and stuff is pretty much just tap, 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 big attack, tap, tap, tap. tap, And that's the entire gameplay. But in the player versus player, they actually kind of made a new battle system where it's kind of got like these different swiping mini games for what kind of big attack you use. And then there's a little bit of strategic elements like you get two shields per battle that will automatically block a big attack. So, if you're like, oh, that guy just threw out his Gyarados, he's going to throw a Hydro Pump at me. I can just in- block it and completely negate it. Uh, but you only get two of those per battle. And it's 3v3 battles. So, it's uh, a lot more Actually, deeply strategic than I would have thought Pokemon Go would have done. It's, and it's different strategy than like, regular Pokemon.
1: It's got a nice tactical element to it.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's not too bad. It's been kind of interesting, and then some of the rewards you get are okay. It's like, here's some rare candies, here's some uh, Stardust to power up your guys, and uh, sometimes it'll give you, a, like, a wild Pokemon battle, and it'll give you a cool rare Pokemon that you can get from just doing these battles. So I'm like, that's pretty cool. Um, decent little rewards. Um, I haven't got really really into pokemon go again but uh i've booted it up a couple of times and you know swipe a pokey stop here and there and uh then headed online on some of these battles and it's it's a decent time kill <coughs> and uh for tabletops um you guys weren't there last week so we did a uh part one of a Kind of a horror one shot that our buddy uh, Owen, who gave me these wine glasses, thanks, Owen, for. (laughs) Uh, He had uh, something prepared because it was like I didn't want to run with as many people missing as there were because it was like me and him and Tyler. And I was like, okay, it's not enough people to really run. I've got some vaguely interesting story content and. A uh, reasonable challenge, so I'm like two guys. Uh, yeah, I'll wait till next week or something. And then yeah. partway through, we were joined by Peyton too, so that was kind of cool. Um, but we did this uh, kind of interesting horror one shot. We we didn't get all the way through it, but uh, we got probably roughly halfway, is what it sounds like. Um, and it's it starts out where like uh, this uh, like traveling merchant of some good repute is like. Wants to hire us to guard his caravan, and then we have to stay in this rickety old shack that looks like it's abandoned, but there's like this idol to some, you know, ancient god or something, and uh, it like starts fucking with us, and uh, there's like hags outside that are trying to screw with our minds and giving us nightmares and shit, and it's kind of interesting. Um, and then the hags are. Like, follow us back into town, so they're fucking with us the next night, too, and then, like, uh, we all got captured by them, um, in the middle of the night, and, uh, yeah, so now we're, like, all, like, without our armor, stuck in a jail, and we have to somehow fight out hags or, you know, whatever else may be in here, so it's it's a pretty cool little session. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today's beer of the week is a special one, limited edition hoppy anniversary ale from Sierra Nevada for their 40th anniversary. Uh, Sierra Nevada is uh, out in California somewhere, I think. Uh, kind of ironic cuz they're named Arve- uh, their named Sierra Nevada and they distribute widely in Colorado, but they're you know, in California.
1: I mean, it seems like Colorado is a good place for, you know, craft brews, mm-hmm. food, mountains.
0: Ah, they have another location in Mills River, North Carolina. Neither of those things is <laughs> Nevada, but uh, it's named after the Sierra Nevada Desert, I think, which is is partially in California. Anyways, uh, I'm not totally sure. Anyways, some kind of IPA or ish thing. It's Hoppy Anniversary Ale, so Hoppy Ale. It's, I assume IPA adjacent. It's an Epa. Mm-hmm. That's about it.
1: And I am drinking a milk stout nitro. Mm.
0: A little bit of malt actually on the back end. It's not terrible. Um, I don't know. I was like limited edition, 40th anniversary. I, I this must be great. And and now I'm just like I feel like I set myself up for disappointment. I'm like it's not bad, but it's like. It's not a 40th anniversary celebratory level quality, maybe? But I it's, bi- it's biannual at best. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Um, it's fine, yeah. Um, so I'll give that a uh, 12. It's okay, IPA-ish it. thing. Um, and this uh, Peach Bellini. I'll give a peach out of 17. Sub. yeah, it just That's numerical. I
1: mean, yeah. I don't mind, like, juice-tasting drinks.
0: Right, yeah, but I'm just like, what the but fuck? But they taste like juice. Rate it, right? Yeah, it, it tastes like juice. That's all it tastes like. It, I can't even, like, hardly taste the wine. It's like a those, little those bit drinks of are dangerous. alcohol on the back. You're just like, oh, yeah, it's alcoholic. But mostly it's just juicy. So Those, those
1: drinks are pretty dangerous in that I mean, you can drink a whole bunch of them and get drunk without realizing challenge it.
0: Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Anywho, uh, so I want to get into the news and booze here.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, also, I am drinking a left-hand milk stout nitro, which is a go-to for me. So
0: that's a pretty good one. Um so yeah so i'm gonna have a few impressions here on google stadia uh as our first piece of news and booze because they are currently offering a two-month free trial for their platinum edition or fancy whatever subscription it's called um so basically that comes with a certain amount of games are just free kind of like xbox uh monthly game pass or whatever um but I'm not sure if that's the only version of it because you have to pay the subscription in order to access games that you buy anyway so i'm like i think this is just the version of it and they call it the premium version kind of for no good reason and i'm like that's kind of odd anyways uh so it's got a two-month free trial and i tried it for a day and i want my money back uh so okay, okay. <laughs> yeah uh, I, I tried three games, and they were varying levels of terrible. Uh, the games themselves, like, uh, two of them were okay, Um so first i tried out the touring test which is a kind of an interesting uh like puzzle-ish game kind of reminds me of portal because you get like this gun that can like suck up electricity from various like terminals and then you have to put the electricity into a different terminal somewhere else and you kind of have to figure out how to position yourself and move different things in the room in order to get the electricity from door a to door b in order to go to the next room so it's it's kind of like Portal in that uh you you know it's kind of room by room puzzles um, and it's, it's so it was, it was a pretty cool idea. Uh, and the story was kind of interesting. Um, but the real big issue was that graphically it's pretty cool looking and it's like so intense that it's just really bad for streaming or something. Uh, cause it, like the frame rate chopped all the time. It was, it was pretty awful. The frame rate was crap in a hat. Um, just pretty much all the time. And it was, like, somewhat playable sometimes. And, like, most of the time it was, like, playable, but, like, really bad playable. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I... So, is that the case for the other two games? In that uh, their stream was choppy?
0: Um, Not as bad... Um, so, I think it's partially just that this was a graphically intense game. Uh, also, I tried this game particularly on mobile for Stadia, and it was completely unplayable. It was so choppy. Uh, there was like a crap load of input lag. It was just like completely, you couldn't even, like, my right thumbstick also just didn't pick up for some reason on mobile. So it it was literally unplayable on mobile. Uh, the next game I tried was Grid, which is a racer type game, um, and that one was it ran kind of okay, but it was like the slowest feeling racing game I've ever played. And it's like it's got a little speedometer in the corner that tells you how fast you're going, and it's like going up 117, 125 miles. I'm like. Dude, I I feel like I'm going, like, 25. This is awful. (laughs) Uh, So it doesn't really
1: have uh, a lot of the things that make it feel like you're going fast.
0: Yeah, it just, like, gameplay speed in general was, like, slower than I wanted it to be. And it it felt like maybe it was a more technical racer or something, uh, which I'm not, like, crazy about racing games and I definitely don't get into the technical ones very often so I was just like not very impressed with it and I pretty much like played it for a little while and put it down and I was like okay that's oh it's
1: kilometers per hour that's what it's saying (laughs) oh it is yeah. Oh. So uh, no wonder you felt like you were going slow because you were going slow. It's it's kilometers per hour. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, it's 120 kilometers per hour in. It's about
1: cycles. 60 miles per hour. 60.
0: I still didn't feel like I was going 60.
1: I've it's gone. I've gone faster fast. on the highway. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like to a, a, a you know a professional driver. That's like nothing. Uh. You know. And I. I and I'm not a fast professional driver. I drive a school mm-hmm. bus. They are not fast, and I felt like this game was fucking slow. So uh, I, I'm
1: watching a gameplay trailer of it, and it looks like it plays pretty slow. Yeah, look, it does look like one of those more realistic racers.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's like got good technical racing stuff. I don't know. And Nick is gone. Oh no, what'll we do?
1: Uh, continue the podcast.
0: Talk about him behind his back. Yeah, silly old Nick. It was funny because Crow was gonna come on, and then uh, Crow didn't end up being able to. And Nick was like, "Hey, I can take your place." And Crow is like, "Do me good." And I'm like, "Man, Crow's gonna be disappointed now." <laughs> he talked once, <laughs> <and> disconnected. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyways, um, and the last game I tried was Guilt, G Y L T, um, which is some kind of a vaguely interesting, uh, like, I don't know what exactly to describe it as, because it's like, it seemed to have, like, maybe stealth elements, but I couldn't actually tell if the, uh, you're like this little girl who's, like, her cousin got lost somewhere and mysteriously disappeared, and you're, like, putting out posters for her, and that's like the first gameplay thing you do is you're literally just walking through streets and putting up posters. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is an interesting thing that maybe it'll be a mechanic later. I don't know. And then you're like some kids chase you and you fall off your bike and it breaks or something. I, like. I am
1: watching the first gameplay trailer and it all that stuff is literally happening as you're talking about it, <laughs> which is funny.
0: Right. Yeah. I guess that's just the interesting. And then it's like the, you can hear the bully kids, like talking about you, uh, from off screen. And so I'm not really sure if they were, could actually catch me, but I'm just like kind of running through the area and trying to get away from them. And then I found a house and then it disconnected, which brings me to the biggest problem with Google Stadia is it randomly disconnects you all the fucking time for no reason. None.
1: Uh and Stevia is pretty new, right?
0: Yeah, um, it's like very new. Yeah, it started uh, in December with an open beta, and it went public. Public, I think, in March or April, something like that. So it's it's a fairly new service. Um,
1: so, oh, it's not. That's not new enough to justify
0: your yeah, random. It's, it's not that these. new. You know, it's not like oh the servers are overloaded because everybody's trying to play it. No, it's it's just actually bad. <laughs> And it's, it's so weird, too, because it kept giving me, like, this BS message that my connection was unstable. I'm like, I've got, like, top-tier uh, Comcast internet for my area. It's, you know, I've got good internet. And it, like, what the hell? Why is it disconnecting me all the time for no reason? I'm hardwired in. It should theoretically be able to run just fine. Uh, and it was running more or less fine. This game didn't have any major issues. It'd have, like, a little lag spike here and there, but not, like, the huge uh, frame dips that Touring Test had. So, it was super weird that it would, like, the game would be running pretty much fine, and then it would just be like, whoop, sorry, you're disconnected, because you have a bad connection. I'm like, I don't think so, Google. I'm on to you. So... Yeah, my my rating of Google Stadia is crap in a hat out of 17.
1: That sounds fair. Yeah. You know, Google is one of the largest companies in the world. Largest tech companies in the world that built plenty of other, you know, serviceable things. They should be doing better than
0: this. Right. Yeah, I I would have expected them to actually do pretty okay uh, for this whole thing. So, but uh, uh you know would...
1: stick that in your pipe and snort it up here yeah, so nostril
0: uh so to put that into uh <clears throat> so to put that back to you chris um you gonna try the free trial of google stadium no stick with steam
1: <laughs> yeah uh i i have even without all of the games that I have in my backlog and the games that I'm actively playing and the other things I want to do with my time, Google Stadia just doesn't, it's not worth it for me.
0: Yeah, it's like, it would be cool if it worked like reliably and you could stream these games really, really fast. Um, but it, I guess technology is not there for the average consumer right now. Like, I feel like I'm better equipped than some consumers, and it was crap for me. I don't feel like I'm the best equipped. I don't have a high, high high-end gaming PC, but my PC's okay. I, you know, it's just upgraded to a solid-state drive, and, you know, it's, it's like, it's an okay PC. But it was terrible. Terrible. And it's completely it's, unplayable on mobile, which is, like, one of the big draws of Stadia is that, like, you can play it on PC or mobile or your smart TV. You know, you don't have to be tied to one specific place. You can play it wherever. And it doesn't work. <laughs> so That's uh, it's a real shame. If it doesn't it's do guilt- the one thing I was excited about it doing, it's, it's, it's pretty lousy.
1: Is Guilt Stadia exclusive?
0: Uh, it might be. I think Guilt was one of the Stadia exclusive games. Because uh, some of the ones that they put on there that you just get for free with your pass are like exclusives, and some of them um, are not. So I, I don't remember the details, but I, I believe Guilt was one of the exclusive ones.
1: Uh, I do not. Like, I'm not a fan of the exclusivity deal with a service that's basically a streaming service. Yeah. Because not only, because then shit like this happens. You have to have an internet connection to play it. And the service has to be stable for what otherwise could be a single player game.
0: Right, yeah. And it's like, maybe if they had a download option, it wouldn't be as bad. Cause, but they have no download option. It's because it's supposed to be all streaming, which I kind of get the attraction of that. But it has to work for that to be a thing. Uh, and also, I, I literally looked through their uh, entire catalog, and there's actually just not very many games on Stadia either. Because um, it was probably like if you if you put it on, um, you know, twelve point Arial you could probably list all of the games in, like, a quarter of a page. It's, like, comparably to other services that provide games to PC, which is the only viable place... Because I'm, like, I didn't play it on a Chromecast, okay, because I'm not going to buy a Chromecast Ultra to try this. But if it worked, maybe I would have bought a Chromecast Ultra to, you know, play it on my 4K TV. That would have been cool. But... I'm not gonna you know buy a you know60 dollar Chromecast or whatever just to try and see if this works uh, but I cannot imagine that a Chromecast is as good as my PC so I'm wondering like if like Chromecast can even run this very well because uh, Chromecasts have no unless there's a difference between the ultra one there's no way to hardwire it in so it would have to be over Wi-Fi which it, you know again uh. <laughs> start screwing up your connection there so if that's the preferred method of playing uh, and I can only imagine that's worse than the regular methods that I tried like how, how is that gonna happen like I imagine I, it might have been as good as my phone I yeah
1: I don't there, there's always the chance that uh, Stadia could take off and become something big, but not in its current state, yeah. not in its current form, not 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 with this level of bad service.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, I it I can't believe people actually subscribe to this. I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> You know, it's like one of those unbelievable things that just, like, you're you're like, are you sure that's a real thing that happens? I don't know. I haven't actually met anybody who's said anything good about it. I, I It was funny. I was tweeting about this and how terrible... I, I think I tweeted out that I wanted a refund for my free trial, and, and some, like, Stadia uh, following person tweeted back at me and was like, okay, you can refund it all to your bank account. And I was like, was that a... Was that supposed to be witty? I don't get it. I, I can <laughs> refund my zero dollars to my bank account? Like, okay, my joke was, like, dumb. But that was, like, what are you even saying?
1: <laughs> it,
0: it's, it's,
1: no, I don't have a uh, good thing to say to that.
0: Sometimes people are just dumb. I I, I read a, a review today also that... that helps prove this point also (laughs) it was pretty funny because i i forget i I was scrolling through the google store to look at movies and different things like that and i came across uh cats uh the new one which i unfortunately saw myself yeah the movie uh Uh, and i uh (laughs) i noticed it had a 22 percent on rotten tomatoes and i was like wait people there there are actually legitimate critics that found anything redeemable about this movie and There's I,
1: nothing like it.
0: <laughs> right? I guess, maybe. Uh, but no, like this uh, I was I read one review cuz I was just like what are positive people saying about this? Like what what positive thing can you say in here? And literally every point he had was like like objectively incorrect. <laughs> uh like I
1: will say in defense of cats. I really actually wanted to see Cats uh, because it sounded so awful it was going to be a memorable experience.
0: That is a statement that you can factually say about it. Yeah. But it's not like one of those bad movies that like is okay because it's bad, that it's, it's fun because it's bad. It's just like drags on and on because it's bad. Like, um, but anyways, I was like reading this dude's review and it's like for the New Yorker or something huge like that. And he's just like, Oh yes, this was a riveting adventure. And, uh, uh, the CGI was wonderful. And I'm like, okay, the CGI was okay. Except for there was actually clear glaring incidents where it was not finished. And like, characters literally didn't have some of the CGI done and it was just them in their costumes. And you could, you could really tell in some of these scenes. I'm like, did you, did you not watch the movie? And then he went on to be like, Andrew Lloyd Webber's score was so diverse and well arranged. And I'm like, one of the most common criticisms about Andrew Lloyd Webber as a composer is that he will make a musical and he will make every fucking number sound the same. Like, you listen to Phantom of the Opera, and you hear dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, eight zillion times. And I like Phantom of the Opera okay, but Cats is, like, grating on you. It's like, after, like, the, like, third or fourth song that is an identical tune, it is, like, painful on your ears and mind just to... Listen to it's it's terrible. And then he went and he like criticized the director for making boring stuff like the King's Speech. And I was like, that is an almost unanimously praised film. That's like, are you, are you sure that he wasn't
1: of, trolling? He might have been. Sure it I mean, wasn't like he a works for the New
0: Yorker, so you wouldn't think that he could
1: be. It could be a satirical review. Also, Maybe. the thing about the CGI is apparently they updated it a couple weeks after the movie came out with a version that had fixed CGI.
0: Okay, because there, there are, like, seriously scenes where some of the characters had claws in, like, the last shot, and then they'll have no claws in the next shot, and it'll just be fingernails, and it'll look super freaky because it looks kind of weird because they're cats anyway. But then it's just like, now they got human fingers. That's that's just terrifying. <laughs> <sighs> uh Yeah, but he's like... Knocking on the King's speech, I'm like, that is literally the high point of Colin Firth's career. Colin Firth will never achieve that level of awesome filmery again. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Uh That is it. Yeah. Anywho, uh, should we get on to our next piece of news and booze? What do you rate that beer, Chris?
1: Uh, I'd rate it a 14. I'm I'm feeling it a little less tonight.
0: How dare you. Uh, PS5 reveal happened, except it didn't. It was announced to happen on the 4th, um, and it was delayed because, according to Sony, which I apparently spelled incorrectly at the document, uh, so I will fix that typo for your viewing pleasure. You just watched me fix a typo. Aren't you so happy? Uh, why is the, why is the caps lock on? So so now I have a capital Y at the end. Why, Why is it still, I just turned it off why okay this is our quality content folks (laughs) uh sony announced that um the games reveal event uh has been pushed back at this time because it is not a time to celebrate and they want to allow time for more important voices to be heard so this uh particular date uh coincided with the uh um, I believe the memorial service or funeral service for George Floyd. So with all that, that's been going on. Um, okay. So, is so, that,
1: is that something we want to talk about at all? I don't
0: want to get like super political on it. Um, But I just did kind of want to say uh, that I think it's, you know, cool of these guys to, uh, you know, kind of take a step back and be like, okay. guys, there are more important things than video games in here. Uh, I think that's something that yeah. a lot of us could assess in our lives and I think it's cool that Sony uh, was like not taking the spotlight away from him for a thing that they had had planned before this whole incident happened. Um, so I, I think it's just uh, really nice yeah. on Sony's part. Uh, so Chris, do you have anything specific to say on that? Uh, I'm happy
1: Sony's doing that. There's stuff that I could get into, but won't in the interest of, uh, in the interest of saying the show is a place to get away from, this podcast is a place to get away from a lot of the awful happenings of the world.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, kind of what my, uh, idea was, is, like, you know, we don't like talking politics here, not because they're not important, but because, you know... You need a break from it. So instead of thinking about politics for five seconds, let's you know raise a glass and just have a good fucking time instead. Uh, And I'll say you need a break from all the bullshit that's happening in the world. I I will say that it's it's important.
1: What's going on is important. You should be you should keep yourself informed, (laughs) but you also should not feel bad for not letting it overtake your life
0: yeah so anyways um that's enough of the doom and gloom um important deep shit but uh you know we're here to like i said let's just have a fun time so we can get away from it for a little bit uh is a hilarious one did you see this about the sega revealed the game gear micro Holy fuck! Yeah. No, I did not see this! Okay, so, this is gonna release October 6th. It's unclear if it will have a global release, uh, cause it's currently only announced on Sega's Japanese channels, um, so it's not clear if this will even release in America, but I feel like there's enough of an American audience that would be interested in it that it might be interesting, but it, it's a weird way that they're going about this. Um, so... The system will be available in four colors. Each of them has four games, but they're four different games. And they MSRP for about 50 bucks. It's in yen, so it's like 49,000 yen or whatever. But it's it's about 50 bucks uh, for American dollars. Um, so black, the black Sega Mini will have Sonic the Hedgehog, Puyo Puyo 2, Outrun, and Royal Stone. Blue one will have Sonic and Tails, Gunstar Heroes, Sylvan Tail, and Baku Baku Animal. Uh, Yellow one will have Shining Force Gaiden, Shining Force Gaiden 2, Shining Force Gaiden Final Conflict, and Nazo Puyo Arles Roo. And the red one has Megami Tensei Gaiden Last Bible, Megami Tensei Gaiden Last Bible Special, the Gigi Shinobi, and Columns. So it's kind of an interesting way that they're going about this because it's like two of them kind of have like three action-y games and a puzzle game, and the other two have three RPGs and a puzzle game. So I'm not sure why all of them had to have a puzzle game, but I think it's kind of funny because the only game that I actually remember playing on the Game Gear was Puzzle Bobble, so I guess it was just a good puzzle game system apparently. I'm.
1: I don't under. I don't think this marketing strategy is going to be successful, because, uh, unlike with the NES and SNES Classic, Mm -hmm. uh, where all that sold out pretty fast, Uh, they had a lot of games on those. Yeah, and you only had to buy one. With this, you're paying fifty dollars to just get a grab bag of four
0: games. Yeah. And it's, like, some of these I think are kind of interesting. Like, I would, like, maybe be interested in the old Megami Tensei games. I think that would be kind of neat. Uh, yeah, like, that's... I didn't even know Megami Tensei was that old of a series. I thought it started in the DS era. And I was like, oh, wait, hold on. It's, no, it's, like, uh, yeah, it's it, a really it old actually... It's like back in 87, I think, is when I looked up the first Megami Tensei game came out. I was like, "Yeah, oh, you don't They're know. actually
1: <laughs> significantly older than... Uh... You might think. Yeah. But I'm thinking people, even if you didn't want to, you know, b- take an emulator on PC and technically pirate some right. of these older games, uh, there's still legal ways you can play this on PC mm-hmm. and cheaper ways of getting this that don't involve keeping track of four separate fucking miniature devices that you can lose. Yeah. Uh, so I. Uh, I I just don't think these things are going to sell that well. I'll be curious to see what actually happens. I feel
0: like there's a decent amount of Sega collectors that'll just be like, yeah, I'm getting them because I'm a Sega collector. Like is I feel a large part of what happened with the NES classic. But I feel like there's gonna be a lot of Sega Collectors that are turned off from like, oh, I want all these games, but you know, and I I, and I want to collect every color. Like even if they didn't have different games, there are people that would collect every color. But I feel like some of those people might even be turned off just because it's like you know 16 games for 200 bucks right that's a terrible deal for old ass games like this like four games for 50 bucks is like just not great and like it it was funny because i was thinking about this i was like you could put a very slightly larger hard drive in there i'm sure these old game roms are not that big i bet you could put all 16 games on one of those things and oh, I, absolutely I can't you imagine it would be that much more expensive. Like, even if the you have only to pay reason... 60 bucks, sure. I bet, I, like, I would maybe pay 50 or 60 bucks if this came with all 16 of these games.
1: The only reason to not have every game on one of those machines and just market it as one machine is for uh, sales and marketing purposes. There's no <laughs> technological reasons you couldn't.
0: Yeah, pretty um, much
1: so doing this is just hey sega collectors collect all four <laughs> right yeah uh so unless they're doing like an extremely limited manufacturing mm-hmm. one of these i don't see how these would turn a
0: profit yeah i'm not sure either um and it's it's also kind of weird too because like even if i was interested in like, more than I am, because I'm, I'm like, loosely interested, but I'm not interested in 50 bucks for four games, you know, it's like yeah. okay, maybe if it gets a price drop later, you know, if it goes down to 25, I'll consider it but then, it's like the ones that I would be more interested are like, the ones with all these RPGs, but then it's like, I feel like having a Sega system without a Sonic game is like, sacrilege <laughs> right i'm like do i have to choose between megami tensei and sonic i can't have both
1: do you do you think it's like sacrilege for to have a nintendo system without a mario game
0: i think it's i think there is certainly a large collective of people who would say that i would say it about zelda games i will like like if, if I knew that a Zelda game was not coming to a Nintendo system, definitely, I would be hesitant to buy it. And, like, I, I probably still might, because I do still like Mario and Donkey Kong and all their other IPs. But, like, Zelda is the game that I buy systems for, right? I bought my Wii U because I was promised Breath of the Wild. I do not own Breath of the Wild on my Wii U, but that's not the point. <laughs> uh- I could. could. I, th- I have thought I think about that, it many
1: times. I, well, to be fair, you and I are biased because we're def- definitely much bigger Zelda fans than we are Mario fans. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like, if look they, at they the title released of an NES show. Classic
0: without Mario, like, people probably wouldn't buy it. Like, I might yeah. not have bought it. Like, if it didn't have... Like, I bought my NES Classic because it's got... A lot of the games that i like and you know several of them are mario you know you had uh super mario i think one two and three were all on the nes classic um plus you had the legend of zelda plus you had earthbound plus you have you know this and that other stuff and then the super nes classic you know obviously has my favorite mario game so that was one of the biggest selling points to me so uh, and and then, uh, obviously, Star Fox 2 was a, a big thing for me, too. I was like, that is just a cool piece of history, and I kind of want to own that. And now I feel silly, because now it's available on Nintendo Switch Online. But, yeah. <laughs> what you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> physical copy, bitches.
1: Yeah, you, you do have that collectible copy there.
0: Yeah, because, like, you know, in... 15 years when the Nintendo Switch eShop is finally taken down or whenever that happens, you know, I'll still have Star Fox 2 and maybe not everybody will, I don't know. So it's still cool. Um, anyways, um, so that's just a really weird kind of thing. Also, it's kind of weird that the whole, uh, the the Game Gear Micro is also only, like, it in the pictures, it's, like, in the palm of people's hands. I saw a comparison image to that in the hand in the, like, promo images and some promo images of Joy-Cons, and, like, the Joy-Con is bigger than this Sega system. It's, like, super tiny. It's too tiny for American hands. Right? <laughs> Maybe that's... It, I, I got... It, I, uh, I, which, I got, to me, kind of, like, gives me a little bit more, like, oh I kind of like it, because it's neat, because uh it gives me weird uh game boy micro vibes because i i played on that back in the game boy advance era and i thought it was kind of neat
1: i i look at something like that uh what is it game gear micro uh let let me see a comparison here i i need to look at some uh i look at something like that and I say I can't I physically cannot play that my hands are too big
0: right I mean I got big hands and I would probably deal with it if it was like a good deal for the amount of games anywho let's go to Pokemon Pokemon DLC the first pack starts on June 17th it will be available so that is the Isle of Armor pack I think Uh, yeah and then the second one is the Crown Tundra Uh, so that'll be kind of cool Um, the, uh, I assume you probably didn't watch the Pokemon announcement.
2: I did not.
0: So anyways, it, uh, revealed some cool new G-Max forms, Galarian forms, and some returning Pokemon that were not in the original Sword and Shield game. Uh, so like some of the old Pokemon are coming back, uh, will have, um, what was, oh gosh, now I don't remember. Giratina is one of them. Uh that's returning oh, cool. so that's kinda cool. And and there is a handful of others that they revealed. It's like, okay, so I, it's I, I don't think it's gonna be national decks fully here, but they're putting in some new ones, which I think is a kind of a cool way to appease the butthurt fan base that was a bunch of I do, about it.
1: I do have to say something negative about uh about everything. Uh-huh. It's it's in the contract. Uh with this I'm going to say they did say that they were not going to do, release these uh, old Pokemon as DLC, so I'm a little disappointed in them lying about that. Well,
2: it's, uh, I'm it's not like,
1: disappointed about the Pokemon getting released. Obviously, right. I, I, I I was the one who was originally clamoring, who was saying, "Yeah, they're going to release it as DLC," until right. you corrected me.
0: Uh, um, yeah, so it's it's possible, but uh, one of the things I was wondering is like. Um, is it going to be DLC exclusive? Or will there be, like, an update where you can catch some of these in the wild area, just in the game anyway? Or uh, I'm sure that you will be able to trade them even if you don't have the DLC. So it it won't, you know, obviously then you'd need, like, a buddy to have the DLC to catch a uh, Giratina or, or something like that. But, um, so it's, it's like, a bit of both worlds, at least, and it, I think they could... Because one of the things that they do regularly do is they'll put st- new st- Pokemon in the in the max raid battles. Like, you can fight Mewtwo and stuff. Uh, so, if they if they added, like, Giratina to a max raid battle in the normal game, that would alleviate some of this, you know, kind of thing. So, I'm not, like, 100% against it yet, but I do definitely see what you're saying, if this is, you know... As it appears, because it does appear that way. You know, this is speculation on my part, but whatever. And they do always update it, at least, though. Like, when they do patches and stuff, they'll usually update their games. Even sometimes for, like, the mid-generation game, they would put up, like, a patch so that you can get uh, stuff from the the mid-gen game. So, since it's DLC, obviously, it's the same game. I'm sure they'll put out a patch that'll be like, okay, now you can have these in your decks... Uh, but you might have to trade them in order to get them but that also you wouldn't necessarily have to know anybody you just have to go on the you know global trade system or whatever it's called in this version and search for somebody who's willing to trade one or something so it yeah it, it's more roundabout than you'd like but i'm they will still technically be in the game without buying the dlc and
1: i i do think i, I think i was originally understanding of um them not being able to include all the pokemon and saying, "Come on guys, they're going to release it as DLC." Um I don't understand why they said they wouldn't and then reneged on it. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh but I I I can't, I can't be mad about this DLC cuz I mean, they're they're adding back in something that I think a lot of people will be happy to see.
0: Yeah. Um, And then some of the Galarian forms were pretty cool. There's, like, Galarian forms of all the Regis and Galarian forms of the three Kanto legendary birds, uh, Zapdos, Articuno, and Moltres. So those all look pretty pretty cool. And I'm like, I wonder what type they are and all that. And I'm like, I want to, you know, I'm kind of excited for this anyway. And it's also reintroducing a lot of legendaries from the old games. Uh, So those, again, might come in. They might, I don't know if they'll come into the base game, but... You know, it had, like, Reshiram and Zekrom and uh, whoever, the the Xerneas and Yveltal, I think, were in the trailer. So there's tons of other Pokemon that are going to be added. And other new Galarian forms and Gigantamax forms, like for Blastoise and Venusaur. Those were pretty cool. Blastoise is kind of cool because he's got, like, 8 million cannons on his back for no fucking reason. You're just like, the fuck? What do you (laughs) do against that? You die. I love Blastoise anyway, so I'm glad to see he's getting,
1: you know. Blastoise is
0: pretty great. Yeah. All right. So, shall we go into our video game topic? Let's. All right. I switched the video game topic halfway through um, because I kind of picked that other video game topic so that we could talk to uh, Lyle about it. But Lyle did not show up. Mysterious. So, Lyle, if you're watching, you have to drink. I don't have my drink card. I, I moved my printer, and now my printer is on top of my drink card, so now I can't get it. Anyway, if you're drinking along at home, and your name is Lyle, you have to drink. And you can drink if you aren't Lyle and you want to. That that would, that would be fine. So, today's video game topic is using a video game guide or walkthrough. What do we think about that? Is it morally right? Or is it... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's morally fine. Do, do you people should enjoy games how they like? Right. Does it make you a this worse t- gamer?
1: Is it too? Are, are saying... There's a okay, okay, we can we can actually talk more about this. I, I was just doing a thing. Uh, I don't like using guides at least initially for games. Right. Because I think it detracts a lot from the joy of finding new things. Hmm. Uh, but there. But it really depends on the game. Like, a Minecraft is a kind of game where you want to have a guide open in a background on how to craft stuff and how to do certain things at all times. And it doesn't detract from the joy of playing the game at all. Right. Uh, But if you're going through, like, a JRPG for the first time, it can. Mm -hmm. And then there are certain games where a guide's almost necessary for Like some of the old Sierra adventure games where you could make a mistake and that could end your run. It could make it completely unwinnable, but you wouldn't know that for a few hours Mm. or finding that. So you just get to a certain point and be like, oh, you remember that item that you got? And you said, no, well, you can't go back and get it now because you missed the opportunity to get it. And you'd just be completely screwed. Uh, I think playing a game with a guide like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think th- there's a balance to be struck between the joy yeah. of discovery and
2: being just, food spoon And head. And
1: losing your own and getting frustrated.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What are you because thinking? you cannot find the way forward.
2: <laughs> I think that Um, guides are good for games like Animal Crossing.
0: And
2: I think that they're good for games that you want 100% run on, Sean.
0: I 100%ed Link's Awakening myself. I've 100%ed most of the Zelda games I've 100%ed myself.
2: But anyways, (laughs) I'm not saying you didn't, babe. I'm just (laughs) saying. Or, you know... For really good art that you really have to have because yeah, you collect every. That's one of the things
0: I was going to go into is I collect uh, uh, game guides just because, particularly for the Zelda series, uh, and there's... there's the thrift store
2: loves us for that reason. <laughs> Along cause and and I love the children. thrift
0: store for that reason. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of cool because there's a lot of Legend of Zelda official art that's never published outside of guides. Maybe so. Hey, you were on the podcast. You have to drink. Try this peach stuff. I don't want to drink. Try this the peach, peach stuff. Out. Okay. Okay, and then rate it on a scale of three to seventeen. Oh my god, you're stupid. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Is it peachy?
2: This ain't bad.
0: You want it? I'll drink to that. Hmm. <laughs> beer
2: what was this
0: peach bellini which is um supposed to be on it's like a champagne topper except we don't have champagne so because just,
2: we're not fancy. i was just like
0: we have wine in the fridge for the first time ever i have to use this thing before we drink all the wine
2: <laughs> we're not gonna drink all the wine because we don't drink wine right
0: we're probably gonna cook with all we're the we're gonna wine.
2: cook with the wine because it's thinking them blah blah blah. Uh,
0: yeah. that's what wine is good for is for cooking
2: yeah, yeah. I like I don't
0: mind drinking wine, but like we never you drink
2: keep... wine at my parents'
0: house. Yeah, that's because they buy wine and have <laughs> wine on hand and know stuff about wine. And no. I'm like, I'm a beer guy. Like, I, I don't understand well, they, how wine... they have
2: beer for you though. I know, and they, so they supply like, it for... Usually, so,
0: I'll have a beer.
2: <laughs> anyway. So for his birthday. <laughs> They got him, like, the randomest amounts of beer. And what was the, like, the Budweiser, the Yeah, crappiest? there's a Budweiser,
0: which is actually still in my fridge, which I'm going to drink eventually when Crow is on with us for my punishment from E3 so last ape- year, which we never got around to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, most of them were okay. There, there, there was like a Voodoo Ranger or something in there, and an, the Oasis. I'm sure my dad
2: put it together because right, he doesn't yeah. drink either. And then
0: that mysteriously unlabeled beer from Lagunitas, <laughs> and I was like, "What is this? It's Lagunitas." Eve. I don't know. It's they, not bad. W-
1: what is it with the mysteriously unlabeled beers that just seem to show up in places? You're like this is good. it's, it's dark. Good. I don't know what it is pretty good.
0: (laughs) Right? Mm. Yeah, somehow that ends up happening sometimes. But yeah, I don't, like... Sometimes I'll use guides... I've been, like... Love you, too. Uh, But I've been, like, using guides on, um... Final Fantasy VII Mm -hmm. Remake very loosely. Uh, I'll, like, get them to point me in the right direction and I... Because, like, some of the things in there... Like, when you're getting into Hidden Achievements, it's like, you know, how do you even figure those out sometimes, you know? I If I had literally just sat down and done everything I possibly could, then maybe I would have figured it out. But there's also, like, things that are literally just not explained in the game uh, that affect other things in the game that... It doesn't explain that they affect other things in the game. So it's like, like... To put two and two together in order to make that guide, I'm not even sure how people figure this out. Uh, You know, some of these hidden achievements wouldn't be as bad because it's like just if you do this set of circumstances, it'll give you the achievement or whatever. And but other ones of them are like really obscure, and so to figure out how exactly you unlocked that achievement, uh, where it wasn't available on your first playthrough or something, would be to uh, you know it's a different story where it's like. So that's most of the guide using that I do is, like, I need a hint in the right direction of where to go, uh, so that I, and then I'll, you know, do everything on my own in the, on the way there if I can, uh, unless I really just need explicit instruction, like there's an achievement in Final Fantasy VII Remake where literally you have to, um, replay three chapters and do different amounts of side quests in each chapter to... Unlock secret cutscenes that you have to say a specific different thing in in order to change the outcome of this other chapter, which is where you get the achievement. And so it's like this fairly convoluted thing that I'm just like, I would never have figured that out on my own, because uh, it it's just one of those bass ackwards things that's made obscure so that it's obscure, you know. It's not like a puzzle yeah. and it's not there's literally no hints in the entire game to tell you how to do this. You just have to, you know, if you played the game enough times, you would probably do it accidentally. But, you know.
1: There we are not obligated to spend time on a game figuring out all the secrets ourselves necessarily. There are uh-huh. people who get a kick out of doing that they enjoy doing that but there's a certain point where i think the vast majority of people just get frustrated or bored so i i don't ha- think there's there's no there's nothing morally wrong with using a guy it almost sounds it almost feels ridiculous that i even have to say that
0: right yeah i, uh, I don't actually think that that was i you know i was a little bit you know hyperbolizing yeah. but
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it, you know that there are, like, gamer, usually kids, uh-huh. uh, that would think, oh, it's wrong to use a guide. Uh, right, I'm yeah. Like,
0: That's one of the things that, uh, we kind of almost talked about, like, it makes you a sissy gamer if you use a guide, kind of like, uh, you know, we were talking about on our deleted podcast episode about hard modes, you know, uh, and I feel like there's almost a little bit of a taboo about, you know... Not maybe quite as much about playing on easy mode, but like using a guide is still kind of like, you know, almost a little taboo where it's like you use a guide, you're you're a cheater, you know, which is like, whatever, you know, enjoy the game how you want to. Um, The only Ah. game where I literally used a guide to complete it was, this is going to be a weird one. Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, uh, and it's not that I needed a guide, because I could have figured out all the puzzles on my own, and I knew that. But I knew that I really didn't have the patience to sit down and do them in the time limit allotted in the fucking Temple of the Ocean King. That is a shitty-ass, stupid-ass design in the dungeon to have that fucking limiter on your time that it's just like, Okay, where do I go? You know, figure it out. This, you know, on the fly while I'm doing this. And it's just like, it, it got me to put down the fucking game for like a year. And then just on a whim... I was going through the uh, game store, uh, one of my favorite game stores closed, this was quite a while ago, but they had like this big ass clearance sale, and I was like, they have the like hardback collector's edition uh, strategy guide to Phantom Hourglass, and it was like five bucks or something, I was like, yeah, whatever, sure, I'll give them five bucks for that so I can, you know, have the official art and stuff, and that's kind of where I actually started. Uh, collecting guides was that that was pretty much the first guide I ever bought and I was like looking through it and I was like wow there's a lot of cool art in here this is kind of cool and I got looking through it and I was like oh wait if I do this then it'll tell me how to do the puzzle and then I can do it like really quickly because I'll know how to do it and that'll kind of alleviate my time constraint thing which I, I really just don't like time constraint things as a regular mechanic in games, like, if it comes up every now and then, sure, it's fine. But, like, as a normal mechanic, I really don't like it, which is why I really didn't like that particular temple in Phantom Hourglass, and why Majora's Mask is one of my least favorite Zelda games, is the stupid-ass time mechanic. Uh,
1: I, I, and, yeah, I I actually, I, I can sympathize with that. Um, the game I was actually thinking of was, um, you, you remember Mist? Yes. Uh, was the stupid-ass underground maze.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: where? So the way that maze is supposed to work, the way you're supposed to solve the maze, right. is an audio cue plays every, every time after you move the car, mm. and each audio cue corresponds to a different direction. Uh-huh. There's no way of figuring that
0: out in-game. Right. And if you're uh, deaf like, or, I think, put... even tone deaf, right, yeah. you can't, like, th-
1: this was before the era in which people were thinking about making games, like, accessible. Like, Right. Th- these days you can come across games that are like, oh, we have a colorblind mode, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, but that, that puzzle is infamous, and I think, Pretty much everybody uses a guide for it nowadays.
0: Right, yeah. Uh, Mist is like a really hard-ass puzzle game anyway. Like, I haven't played that since I was a kid, but I just remember getting stuck, like, for hours on every puzzle, and then when I finally got over something, I'd be like, I'm finally over it! And then i get to another puzzle that's even harder. I'd be like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a it was a pretty intense one as a kid. I wonder if it would be as hard now that I'm, like, an adult, because I, I don't remember the last time I played me min- I remember I got missed four when it came out for original Xbox I think and that one I remember had some pretty hard puzzles and that original Xbox I would have been like in middle school high school sometime so if they were still hard in that time in mist four then I would guess maybe they were still like maybe they'd still be a pretty good challenge I don't know but it's it's been a long time uh, Mist 4 was actually kind of cool because it had all like the the cutscenes were like actual recorded uh, videos of people acting and stuff, which was like a thing that you can't really do in most games because uh, you know obviously you need everything to move like in real time and stuff with your character and stuff. But in, although the it, it FMV, really well
1: for that, FMV games are still like thing. Uh, I guess if I had a closing word to say about the guides thing is that uh, people can use guides as much or as little as they like, and they don't even have to if they use a guide, there's no reason they have to use a guide to spoil themselves on everything. A lot of the time, they can use a guide to get themselves past that one thing, or they can use a guide to figure out the mechanics behind something, but they don't look up like, a walkthrough, they don't... Like, they they use a guide to say, oh, here is the mechanics behind a certain build, but they don't... Uh, yeah. Be like, here is how I get through the entire game, or how I get through chapters, or whatever.
0: Mm. Yeah, so... Um, that kind of brings up another little point. Um, what do you think about, like, strategy guides for... Uh, particularly, I'm thinking of Pokemon. Um, but I guess this could probably uh, translate to any kind of RPG or similar thing where you can have multiple different kinds of, uh, strategic, you know, build in your team or in your character, depending on how the game works. Uh, so this could apply to a multitude of games. Uh, what do you think about the kind of game where it does, or the kind of guide where it, it doesn't tell you how to, it, you know, it's, it's like, it tells you what Pokemon to use, what uh, move sets are good, stuff like that. You know, a little more of the meta knowledge that you might not know. So you could set up your team uh, the way that, you know, uh, you know, whoever set up this guide did. Uh, or your character in, like, League of Legends, you know. Uh, oh, I, I'm going to go for this build because, uh, you know, I, I read it in this guide. Something like that. What do you think I, of those kinds of guides?
1: I think... Okay, so that's actually two very different things that you've kind of put together yeah they, although they're kind of related. they're
0: related but they're not identical yeah certainly so so
1: in pokemon i think people being like oh th- when you go to this gym you should bring these pokemon because of this type advantage uh-huh. uh is something that's just like good useful knowledge
0: yeah
1: uh that Good general knowledge. I was thinking
0: that more for like online kind of meta as well, because there is uh, so that's kind of where I was relating it to League of Legends. Is there's kind of an online meta between both of these games? Where in League of Legends, um, you've obviously got like kind of a a sub game that you have to play to be like, okay, who's you know, on the other team, uh, you know, so I'll play this character, and I'm gonna build them this way, because they've got, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm gonna be Master Yi, I'm gonna build him this way, because, uh, the other guys have... miss appear... I, I forget all the fucking character's names, I haven't played League in so long, um, uh... But you know what I I mean, where it's like, and then then in like online medicine. Pokemon, obviously, it's like, um, you know, last time I was playing was a couple of generations ago, but it was like, if you don't have Primal Groudon and Primal Kyogre and Omega Rayquaza on your team, you're straight up fucked.
1: Uh, I think that guides for competitive online games that help you, that list out, Things that are beneficial and explain why those things are beneficial and inform you about meta game that's going on mm-hmm. are almost necessary to play those games at a higher level
0: mm-hmm. because
1: you will not you will not necessarily figure those things out on your own and yeah. by the time you do the meta will have changed. Yeah, I also don't think they're the be all end all of things. Mm-hmm. I think they're just I see them as just another part of the game of. All right. Here is what people think about this thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see how things actually work. It's it's kind of a funny thing,
0: mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Because when I was playing Pokemon online a lot, I didn't like look at a lot of guides. But every now and then, I'd like look at you know what other people were kind of running. Uh, especially like if I had a Pokemon I wanted to run on my team, then I might look up like some of the move sets that people were using. But mostly I'd, like, look up, actually, guides that tell you what their move potentials are so that I could, like, if I needed to breed a Pokemon with a specific move or something, I could do that. Um, so that that, that kind of gets into it, too, you know. That's almost another kind of guide where it's, like, it allows you to investigate a little more of the strategy but still make it up for yourself. Uh, so. All
1: right. Uh, so, no, I'm not opposed to using guides in general, and if we wanted to even Mm -hmm. narrow it down to just walkthroughs, like saying, here's how you do this, get through the main parts of a game. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that either, except in the sense that I think that you have less fun playing the game because you're just following a set of instructions.
0: Yeah, and... Sometimes I think that can be okay, too. Like, if you really just want to experience the game for the story or something or just see what it has to offer, but you don't, you know, you don't want to think that hard. Or uh, sometimes I've like looked up guides for like when I'm playing really old games where they just had a more obscure mindset in game design, particularly one of the things that the original Legend of Zelda was infamous for was like puzzles with no hints you know it's like okay so you got pretty early on you figured out that you can push blocks for stuff so that got you into later dungeons you're literally just pushing every fucking block you see you know just like does this do something does this do something does this do something um uh the same another it's kind of similar to the original doom where uh, you'd find secret doors in random places. So it got, you know, reflexive to literally walk around the entire perimeter of every level and just click A on, <laughs> on every single wall. Just, secret door, secret door, secret door, secret door. It's none, none of them are secret doors. Yeah, there's a secret door. I found it. Yeah, I, you know.
1: I, I, I do think the design of in-games, in video games in particular, of secrets where there is no indication that there is a secret to be found i think it's kind of poor game design because it leads to those compulsive
0: behaviors uh huh
1: where i'm like oh i know secret rooms exist now so now i'm going to run, i'm going to systematically scour the entire map to find the secret yeah. room or else i'll feel like i've missed something
0: which is kind of I funny cuz i do that in like every doom game uh, every time I play any of the classic Doom games, I totally do that all the time, and I still miss all like most of the secrets. It's funny because it always tells you, "Did you find all the secrets at the end of the level?" And it's like you know, ten percent of the secrets found. I'm like, "What the fuck!"
1: <laughs> that that was one thing. So, uh, so I played Binding of Isaac and Enter the Gungeon, mm-hmm. and I think that's one thing. Binding of I think Enter the Gungeon's a better game in a lot of ways than Binding of Isaac, but I think that is one thing Binding of Isaac did better, was that secret rooms have a better indication of where they are and how to find them mm-hmm. than Enter the Gungeon does. Enter the Gungeon is mostly pretty random Yeah. in how secret rooms appear mm-hmm. and how you find them. Yeah. And Binding of Isaac has a certain pattern you can learn to figure out where a secret room is likely to be and have a much better chance mm-hmm. of finding it.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that, like, the original Legend of Zelda did, where it didn't actually give you any hint that there was a uh, room there, um, but, like, you could bomb a wall or something or, or, you know, light a torch or some Whatever the puzzle happened to be, you could do it, but there wasn't any indication that you should do that in that room and sometimes these puzzles would even like have rooms that were not on the map right you like you've got the dungeon map and you're going to a room that's not on it <laughs> for a secret sometimes it's like so fucking obscure it's hilarious like i think that's where they hid the light arrows in uh death mountain when you finally get to the last area in the game and, like, you can find Ganon, it's, but you can't like kill him until eye. you get it. Yeah, it's like the... Because the, the last dungeon is the skull and one of the eyes, I think, has the light arrows. Uh, that might And I,
1: even then, that's kind of breaking what I'm saying because, because it's an eye hole. You might expect something to be in an eye hole, like, intuitively. Yeah. So there's a very yeah. slight hint.
0: Right, but then there and was I'm other places more. where literally you're, you know... Uh, I think, let's see, I think it was level 6 or dungeon... 7, you had to, like, literally go to a specific screen on the overworld and walk through a wall that was inexplicably intangible.
1: And Or there was, like, dungeon, I think it was 8? Dungeon 8 or dungeon 9
0: or something? 9 would have been like, Death Mountain, so 9 would have been the last one.
1: Yeah, so it would I th- think it was dungeon 8 mm. where you had to go onto another specific screen, pull out your candle and burn one particular yes. bush.
0: Yeah, and that was like ridiculously annoying unless you had the better candle that was in some other obscure place cuz also in Zelda 1 you could like beat dungeons and not get the item. And so then if you needed the item later, you'd be like, "Oh, I don't know even what to do." Uh, but yeah, if you had the better candle, then you could, you know, just burn it at will. But if you only had the regular candle, then you could only burn one time, and then you would have to go off the screen and come back, and then burn again, and then go off the screen and come back, and And so it was, like, ridiculously tedious to look for some of these stupid-ass secrets.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there were a lot of secrets where it was just bomb this random wall. Yeah. Uh... Or like even entrances to main dungeons where it was burn this bush or bomb this wall. Yeah. And that was the only way of finding them. There wasn't, they weren't indicated. Yeah. Uh, so.
0: And some of them really gave you hints. Like there was the one in the, you know, where you go through the lost woods for the first time that started that kind of trope where you had to go up left, down left in order to get there. Uh, and there was another one where you had to go up, 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 up. Where in the in the mountains, it had a kind of a same lost woods kind of you know the screen cycles around unless you go out the exit, or, yeah. or through the magic pattern. That yeah, one I didn't feel so bad about because okay, you just had... uh, but yeah, and and there was hints for those ones, but other ones they were just like nope, you're fucking on your own. Just just burn every bush in the fucking world until you find it.
1: <laughs> so uh, there was I think uh,
0: they... the the one that got me was like. There is a, a fairy fountain somewhere, or, or maybe it's even just a lake, without a fairy, and you have to go there, and you have to play the flute.
1: Yeah, I mean, that no, one is... It doesn't
0: tell you. How are
1: you, how are you supposed to figure yeah, that out on it's your
0: own? The only thing you find out the flute... Like, you get the flute, and you find out that it will warp you to other dungeons, and you should assume that that's its only purpose because that's what it does on every other screen in the entire game except for right there.
1: So, what I will say is that no one should feel shame for looking up a guide when solutions like that are that obscure. But you shouldn't feel shame for looking up a guide either because Mm -hmm. everyone is different and we just play these games. Most of us just play these games for fun.
0: Yeah. If it's fun for you, even if you're using a guide, fucking go for it. Whatever. You know? Yeah. You're, that's something I was telling somebody uh, that, like, uh, we were talking about Final Fantasy 7 Remake, and I was like, I'm doing all this shit on hard mode, but you're not a worse gamer if you do it on easy or classic or whatever. You know? I don't care. You know? I'm not better than you because I do hard mode challenges. I, you know. Maybe I'm objectively better at playing the game. We could make that argument, but who the fuck cares? This that it's doesn't not make important. you better at being a person or a gamer. You know, being a gamer is just about enjoying shit, you know, having fun. So,
1: yeah, anyway, we gotta. Shall we move on to our tabletop? We could indeed. I I don't I don't even know what to say about this one.
0: Uh, so, here's, uh, yeah, today's table topic is actually pretty fun. So today's table topic is, uh, romantic relationships with player characters, or non-player characters, or player characters, and other player characters. Let's ship some bitches.
1: (laughs) Okay, uh, so, I gotta say... Uh,
0: Where's Nick? He said he was gonna come back for the table topic, and, and now he's not here.
1: Let, let me let me shoot him a message. He, he can hop in <laughs> in the middle of
0: this. Right, yeah, and he'll be uh, like, wait, what's going on? Just just don't tell him what the topic is and just let him guess. It'll be hilarious.
1: <laughs> uh, but what I will say about this is I don't think anyone... I, I, I think people have made, like, romantic overtures to some of my NPCs before, uh, but they've always been doomed to failure. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm thinking of one player in particular who always wanted to romance the whose character always wanted to romance the most dangerous woman around. Mm-hmm. First, that was an elf queen with laser eyes who was a master sorcerer, and later, I think, uh, I think it would have ended up being uh, Empress Epitaph, who was like an uber arch villain mm. that ruled over a major part of the world. Uh, so I thought, I thought that was funny, Uh but I I will say, and this is a weakness as, uh, DM and maybe as a player is, I don't know how to run that. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, so it, it, it did kind of work out that he went for people who weren't likely to go for it Mm -hmm. because of the kind of people they were. (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah, I haven't had a lot of experiences with this, but I thought that uh, the few that I have have been kind of interesting, and I've, I've kind of thought of more of them than I've actually had, because uh, particularly I've had uh, one of our DMs has occasionally, again, Owen comes up on the podcast, uh, occasionally will, like, introduce us a scene where there's a flirtatious person or, or whatever. He's he's kind of really good at, you know, developing characterization um for NPCs in general. And so, you know, if a flirtatious NPC just happens to be there, then, you know, occasionally stuff will happen, you know, or, uh, or if, uh, their personality clicks, he's really good at, at kind of, uh, you know, putting them together into a situation. And, uh, so I've had actually a couple of different times with him that I thought would be kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, one of them was actually in the horror one shot that we were just doing, uh, where, um, I was, um, so I'm, my character is like this, uh, Nordic spear maiden and she's just like, uh, you know, got a, a shield and a spear and I'm just, you know, pretty much wrecking stuff for the, you know, combat centric parts. Um, and then we get, but like my backstory is kind of that I'm like, this person who has, like, been raised by Norse men and, you know, all that, and, uh, you know, all I know is the manly ways of hunting and, you know, killing and pillaging and things like that, but then I got kicked out of my, uh, tribe for something that ended up happening, and so now I'm, like, culture-shocked by everything that I see, uh, and we end up going to this little town with a, that has like having their harvest festival and there's all these parties going on and, and dancing and things. And, and Owen's just like, uh, yeah, there's a, another girl that's, uh, I and you in the corner of the bar over there. And I'm like, I'm going to go over and talk to her see what's up. And she invites me to dance. And, and then we totally had, you know, awesome sloppy sex or some such, um, which led to me of being imprisoned by the hags, as I said, and now I'm naked. So <laughs> that didn't work out so well for me, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting little just tidbit of, you know, what, uh, happened to my character. And I was thinking of like, you know, how my character might've got into there. And I was like, you know, I was raised in this like Viking society where they, you know, probably fucked everything they could. Right. so i'm like maybe this just makes sense to her i don't know so it was like maybe a little bit of character building and at the same time it was also just like you know a little interesting thing to kind of role play with and we didn't do we didn't spend like a long time on it or something we just kind of you know went there and danced and she invited me to her room and i went to her room and then thump 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 and there you know that kind of thing happened um so have you ever particularly taken place in a roleplay scenario where you were involved in a romantic relation or your character was related?
1: Involved in a romance? So I did play a character who ended up being a pretty main character of mine. Uh, lived through it all the way to the end of campaign named Sable Lives, hmm. who was actually uh, married to... Uh, m- Nick's new character at the time, who is not on the podcast and would really enjoy this story, it, Nick. Uh, but what ended up happening is, on their first dungeon delve together, uh, his character, Thwitty, dives into a pool of blood, uh, totally opaque so we can't see what's happening to him, <laughs> and gets snacked. Uh, Snatch teleported away, and forced to dance for some demons. Neat. Uh, and replaced by a dop- with a doppelganger. Uh, so we're he comes out of the pool and says, "Hey, I know a place where there's treasure." And I say, "Hey, you're acting kind of weird. Let's tie you up and get you back to town because I think you're possessed." Because <laughs> we don't know what's going on, but like we immediately twig on to something's up. So we walk through a room full of, like, we, we walk out of this dungeon, uh, and his character starts kicking back and forth and knocks uh, his own character into a deep, murky pit of water and one other character into a deep, murky pit of water. And I desperately try to rescue both of them, but uh, they both drown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so she spends this entire time thinking... Her husband is dead. Like, the whole campaign.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and at the end, eventually, got given a wish by, uh, after rescuing a sun god, that's a long story, uh, To she wished tried to wish her husband back to life, and it turned out he lived for over a thousand years, being forced to dance for demons. <laughs> so, he, he was alive the whole time, and uh, deeply traumatized.
0: Nice. Uh, cool. Um, so yeah, do you think that these are uh, a thing that should be incorporated more, or uh, that see probably enough accidental incorporation, or do you think they really add anything to campaigns uh, when they when well, they happen inadvertently or I otherwise? Think-
1: I think they can add something to campaigns, but it has to be within the player's comfort level. Uh-huh. They have to not just be completely... They can't just completely dead fish it. They have to be the sort of person who actually actively would enjoy that.
0: That's true, because uh, that reminds me of another story that I had about a time that I considered, um, like, romancing another player's character. Because um, I had my... Uh, you remember my necromancer, Silas (laughs) of all people. Um, so Silas was kind of this manipulative, uh, kind of guy who would like get people to kind of do what he wanted. Uh, you know, and whether or not he told them that they were doing what he wanted, or or things, you know, he was he was fairly coercive and very secretive about his motives and things like that. And uh, to this end, uh, I considered uh, uh, like hitting on Josh's character. If you remember, was uh, a flame sorceress.
1: I do remember this. Yeah,
0: and uh, we had uh, a pretty cool moment together, actually, in one of the sessions, uh, where I killed that other player character that we talked about. Um, and then I helped cover it up by healing Josh's character, this flame sorceress. I, I cast false life because that's literally the only spell that I have that could, you know, regain any hit points, even if they're only temporary hit points. It's like, I grant you temporary hit points. It brought him back from unconsciousness or her back from unconsciousness because the character was a female. And, uh, it was kind of at that moment that I was like, Ooh, now I, you know, have kind of helped you out. You're a little bit indebted to me. And, and I thought about like, um, uh, if I could like, you know, romance Josh's character and in, in how the role play would go for that. And Josh is like a little bit awkward of a a person, not like to his major detriment, but just, that's kind of how he is, and he's, he's a great guy, but I thought it would be, like, really hilarious to roleplay this with him, because I, I can't imagine how he would actually, like, take it seriously, (laughs) so I'm, I'm almost a little bit sad that I didn't end up, um, romancing his character, but it, at the same time, it was like, it was a kind of a thing that was in the back of my mind, that it was like, this would lead to hilarious roleplay situations, and just by the way that Josh roleplays, uh, I think it would be maybe a little more hilarious, but um, I wasn't sure if it was necessarily the campaign for that kind of hilarity.
1: It it does seem like it would be kind of funny, but it to add something... Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't think it would have added anything to our characters, which is ultimately why I kind of... It, it might have added something to mine, and maybe he, you, you know, d- depending on the day, Josh has some really cool roleplay things that he does sometimes. Uh, so it, he might have been able to do it too, but I feel like it ultimately would have been Silas manipulating her to her own detriment. Yeah. Because um, uh, that's what I, Silas I, I think.
1: I think that could be fun and in- With, like, someone who's up for that and has, like, a defined way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Trying to think of other characters. I I, I usually play my characters as not... I, I don't like to come up with backstories, and I usually find times to play out a character before I figure out... Uh, what their p- basic personality traits even are?
0: Sometimes I'm like that and sometimes I'm not. It, it really depends because sometimes I'm like, I create the entire character from the ground up with like the build of the character really in sync with the personality of the character. And other times I'm just like, I have a really cool idea for a build and then I build it mechanically and then I get in there and I'm just like... Uh you know, I kind of figure out who I am by role playing.
1: Yeah. Uh oh, there is a character I played in your game, and I'm still playing, named Delvaneus, who was on a quest to rescue his beloved. Yeah. That uh I I I I set that up as his initial motivation for going out and adventuring and doing things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Since the there was like a pretty concrete world and it involved I, I was like I'm sure whatever direction I head in, we're going to run into interesting things. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say that she is on the other side of the map here, and they couldn't get together for family-related reasons, mm-hmm. it, or so he believes. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then I threw so, in this whole love triangle thing where, like, she thought that you had left her because you were gone for so long, and uh, she, um, like, started dating the bad guy. <laughs>
1: And I I was interested to see, like, what was going to come of that, and if Delvaneus' basic personality traits would change as a result. Hmm. Because I see him as, like, not an evil person, but, like, someone who's ultimately very self-interested. It's, oh, yeah, I can help you out with that, but I want to cut. Right. Uh, oh, I'm going to manage the party's treasure because I can do it the most efficiently. Kind of person, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it would, I thought it would be interesting to see what happens when he experiences uh, rejection mm-hmm. and how he would grow from that. Yeah, which is kind of what happened. I. Rhymes precisely when he needs.
0: I found out that the lights are actually very on, but they're like really dim. So,
1: huh. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I can see the LED right there. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: apparently, batteries in these Burger King cusps last for 17 years or whenever. When did this movie come out? Was it 2003 or... I don't know. It's probably on here somewhere. <laughs> AOL keyword, Lord of the Rings.
1: Okay, yeah, that was a long that time was a ago. That a long
0: fucking time ago. Does is, is, is AOL still exist? Copyright 2001, fuck. Yeah, 19 AOL still exists. years and these batteries still work.
1: Uh, do you have anything else you want to say
0: on this topic? Um, not specifically. I had one more story that I might uh, get into another time that was kind of cool. Well, maybe I'll get into it. I'll tell one more story because uh, it, it was it was kind of cool, actually. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, and it's it's not exactly something that we've gone over quite in the detail that, or it's 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 a little different than any of the other situations. Because I, I that's one of the things that I think is interesting about these things is that they never come up in quite the same context. You know, every time you have a romantic relationship in a tabletop game, it's just. A little bit different it's handled differently by the players or NPCs or GM or, or whoever um, and it's it's unique to where it is uh, in the setting um, so this one was in another one of our buddy Owens campaigns um, and it's like this whole Viking thing is like that's that's our thing he like created some custom classes and stuff for this it was like a lot of homebrew content um, and so it's this really cool setting and, uh, my character was, like, uh, my name was Hroth Garhal. Get it? Yes. But yeah, Hroth Garhal. Hroth was, um, like this, uh, pretty mighty tanky dude who, um, uh, he, he was a tactician, and, uh, so with that class he could, like, give other players movement actions or attack actions or... Uh, different things and buff people and uh, so he didn't and, and his other classes and stuff and abilities that I took was like all tanky stuff so that I could like intercept damage from people like I had an ability I could jump in the way and I'll take your damage for you and stuff like that And he was a really cool character to play in combat because of that, and I had to really think tactically to use him as effectively as I did. And I feel like I actually did a a pretty decent job most of the time, uh, mitigating damage for the party and things like that. Um, And Owen had this NPC named Sif, uh, which was a spear maiden from our village, and, uh, our village was beset by, uh, guys from, a uh, rivaling faction, basically. And, uh, they ended up, like, uh, it, it was, like, there was, like, this loose romance thing that we had kind of, uh, done here and there between me and Sif, and it wasn't, like, really, really solid until these guys came, this, uh, enemy faction, and... They killed her, and I came to her, and, like, she had her dying words, were like, uh, kill all the bastards for me. And, uh, and so Hroth literally did, which was weird, because he was, like, not in combat, almost, I mean, he was in combat, but he was not attacking, almost ever. He had an axe- But he almost never used it. He would stand behind people, you know, he'd shout orders. He'd, you know, use his abilities to give his friends abilities, do some buffs sometimes, and he would get in the way and tank damage. That was his thing. And in this session, I literally was just cracking heads the whole fucking way. And we get to, like, the last guy. And uh, we had actually this kind of cool roleplay segment with uh, me and my brother Dan uh, and his character comes up to me and says, uh, something like, uh, is this really what Sif would have wanted? And, you you know, as I'm literally like holding my axe to this helpless guy from the neighboring faction and... I'm, like, I'm dead set. I'm gonna fucking kick this guy's ass. I'm gonna fucking murder him right here. He's, like, completely unable to harm us anymore. All of his brothers are dead and everything. He he can never do harm to us again if he wanted to. And uh, my brother's like, is this really what she would have wanted? And she's like... And, and Hroth, my character, I'm just like... This was her dying words, and I fucking... Just I like I think I even rolled a twenty. I was just like, Nope, I'm fucking done with these bitches. And it was this cool like roleplay segment that never would have come out unless we had like that little bit of romance between me and Sif beforehand, which wasn't even like a large thing. It was like it, it happened here and there when we came back to the village that uh, you know, Sif would come talk to me and I would, you know, kinda flirt and she'd kinda flirt and whatever. And then, you know, I inevitably would go a raiding or whatever <laughs> that we were doing with the, you know, various viking goings on. Uh so I'd have to leave her, but then when we came back and she was killed, I was just like fucking berserk. It was awesome. So, uh these romantic relationships, uh I think are a thing that could be explored more in D&D games. They have to be done appropriately, certainly, but I, I think if they're done uh, appropriately and the players are responsive to them, I think they can be really cool. And I kind of wonder how it would be between a player on player relationship. Cause I've never really had anything like that.
1: Yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anything that was like an extended player with player relationship mm-hmm. in any of the games I played. Uh, it would be kind of, it'd be kind of interesting to see.
0: Yeah. Um, again, that's a thing that you'd kind of have to, you know, play... That, that would almost be a different sort of a beast, though, because, like, you'd have to kind of play that with the other player and with the GM and not, like, get in the way of everybody else, you know? Yeah, it'd have to be... Because if that uh, somehow overtakes the session, I could see that being really awkward. Like, okay, so I'm going to romance you. Ooh, I'm going to romance you. Ooh, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that, and then we're going to hold hands, and then we're going to bone! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that could hijack a session uh, if it was not kept in check. But I I think the potential is interesting. So
1: I do know that there are some games that are explicitly... About that, I Mm. think there was, I think Monster Hearts and uh, Apocalypse World were games that had a lot more of that, like, built in to the game. Uh, I don't have, I I only ever played one session of Apocalypse World uh, with a cult leader named Dr. Professor. Uh, and he didn't get involved in that. Uh, and I've never played Monster Hearts, but that's my understanding is that there are games that actually revolve around that. Uh huh. To a certain degree. So.
0: Alright. Um, so, if there's not any last thoughts on that, I guess we can close out. Yep. So, uh, thank you for watching Drink to the Past once more. Um, have some wise words from Gandalf. <laughs> And uh, we'll see you next time. And here's the part of the podcast where we just talk about random bullshit instead of coming up with a real ending.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I could promote random... We, we could promote our random bullshit right, yeah, if we I really want
0: to. We, we, we do that sometimes, and then sometimes I also forget because I've already had three beers or, or whatever. Because I, yeah. I kind of had two beers over at my buddy's house, and then I came here, and I've had another beer and a... And oh, a beer
1: you're a, going social distancing.
0: What? What?
1: Oh no, you're not social distancing. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, we were six feet apart most of the time, probably. Probably. Uh, I mean, y- y- you have to practice abandoned person. It's, it's a fucking thing. Sorry. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's uh, just a
1: thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't actually care too much.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's like, I try, you know, as much as I can, but, you know, at some points, it's like things are infeasible.
1: Uh,. Let's see.
0: So, I'm Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, the host of Drink to the Past. You can catch me on Twitter at SpamOmanoSpam and on TwoGuysPlayingZelda.com. I do all sorts of editorial-ish things and opinion articles and stuff.
1: Hi, I am Chris, uh, still angry about current events audit. that. Uh, you can find uh, my writings on drive through rpg uh both are pay what you want they are five cataclysms core rules beta edition which i wrote with my co-author who was briefly on the podcast today and that he said
0: he said one like fucking thing right yeah i don't even remember yeah. what it was and then he like muted himself and then he quit 20 minutes later what a dick
1: <laughs> uh if you i also find Nick, wrote... call him a dick yes please uh I also wrote Still House on of Flowers. go
0: RPG comments and just be like, this guy's a dick. I heard on Drink to the Past.
1: Yeah. It's a little cross-promotion there. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I also wrote House of Flowers. You can also pick that up for pay- what you want. Uh, it's a full-fledged dungeon that has a couple different ways that you can start the apocalypse. And uh, it's got a nice D100 table of completely new, unique dangerous, wild magic items. Uh, you can play it with most any system of D&D, except for probably 4th edition, as long as you're willing to do a little bit of conversion work. Uh, and that's also pay what you want. Uh, my co-author, who I Nick, I, who I keep mentioning, also has written several excellent adventures, also under 5 Cataclysm's name. You gotta pay for them, but I recommend... Uh, most of them, if you want a good surter adventure, The Sunken Fort has always been well-reviewed. If you want, like, a good middling adventure, I recommend Mad Mask Spire, which is a hell of a lot of fun and has a pretty fantastic antagonist in it. Uh, so yeah, check those out.
0: As this, uh, 40th anniversary doohickey warms up, it's actually become a little bit better. So it's one of those things that where it's like just too cold or something uh so you can't taste all of it um because because i guess now i've been supping at it for like an hour and a half almost so uh but Warmed up so yeah, now, the now it's better. not as good as it was like half an hour ago i was thinking this or an hour ago maybe you know i was like oh actually this isn't bad i'm gonna say something about it being better and then i forgot to until the end and now i have a tiny little shop left oh, oh. that was the fanciest sip of beer because i had my pinky up Uh, yeah, so, um, what else is new? Uh,
1: all this successfully distracted me from a horrible situation for a while.
0: A little while, yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of a kind of yeah. what we hope, not, you know. Cause, uh, I, I think, you know, it's nice to just kind of get away and watch something stupid for a while, you know, or, you know, yeah. just distract yourself. It's like every now and I- then you can just use some stupid in your life
1: i do not like to use the words moral obligation because <laughs> i feel like they're over everyone's going to always imply that you have a moral obligation to something when you don't right. but i would say as like a gentler way of saying things is you should keep yourself informed and you should make you should try to make sure the information you are getting is accurate but you don't have to immerse yourself in it to the point point to, and never let yourself come up for air, either. Right. Uh, and this is a very... This is not sufficiently silly for the end of this, but it's kind of been on my mind a lot.
0: That's lately. fair. Uh, um, so should we just end it there, or should we steer it in a silly direction, or does that undermine the entire point of this... Well,
1: I, I feel like I made my serious point I don't I, don't, I can talk about okay. dicks for a while
0: dicks are cool don't you just love dicks I I have some more wine here so I can I'm
1: lukewarm on dicks
0: <sighs> what about what about dicks
1: I said I'm a little lukewarm on dicks lukewarm
0: on dicks okay okay I, I thought I saw a thing earlier that was like uh if you're bisexual you're bisexual even if it's like only like one percent you like men, ninety-nine percent you like women. So I was like, wait, hold on. So, hold I mean, on. there's. So, I, so I, how I, are you? So on that? I Does think, that make you bisexual, Chris? If you if you're lukewarm uh, on dicks.
1: I think I'm pretty heterosexual. That's fair. That's fair. I I don't. I, don't I, I I think I'm in that eight that supposed eight percent of people that are totally one way, act, hmm. which is funny because. Pretty much I would say a pretty big portion of the people I know are not. Could be. So so I'm like, hey, I'm I, I'm 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 what society considers the default. That's funny.
0: Right. How dare you be default? You're supposed to be different yeah. like the rest of us. Oh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah
1: be different just like everybody else. That doesn't that doesn't apply when you're ta- talking about orientation.
0: Yeah. I don't know, it's a weird thing. It's like you know. People are how uh, they are. Who's who really cares?
1: I'm 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 not I'm not here to fucking judge people for who they're attracted
0: to. Right? I mean everybody loves blue-haired anime boys, right? <laughs> This is the best thing. Almost well, wine done. so I guess I should try this wine now. As long as it's on the podcast, because I'm probably not going to have it on the podcast again. Unless you know, it depends on how much I cook with it over the next week. Well, who doesn't like Ike? Um, commies.
1: I mean, I mean, even Soren liked Ike, right? Soren didn't like anybody.
0: Yeah. Crom was hotter though. So it, so is it better with the agitator? Let's let's uh, find
1: uh, out here. No. I am not a wine
0: guy. It's different. It's uh more airy. Just like um something airy like uh what's airy? The God of War. He's airy. Airy. It's, he's he's airy. He's oh, so bad we airy. have to drink. drink. This is, a, this is a wine. I don't know. It tastes like white wine. Like like just as generic as you could get. But my palate is probably all fucked up from having like, you know, two beers before a game and a beer on the podcast and a thing on the podcast. So I, do, I don't know.
1: You could always put salt on your tongue.
0: D- does salt make I, wine better?
1: I don't know. I usually put salt on my tongue when I want to cleanse my palate.
0: Usually I, you know, slap the brush all over like Bob Ross when I want to cleanse my palate.
1: That was terrible. That was genuinely awful.
0: You're welcome. Palate. Palate. Palette is the town where Ash Ketchum is from.
1: Yeah. That's all okay, it's now we for. just
0: related wine to Ash Ketchum. You know what that means.
1: Ash is a drunken little hobo of a
0: child. I was going to say, gotta drink them all. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it is I better like in the glass. Said... This is a good glass. Because um, just with wine in general, you get a little better out of the nose, I think. Um, You know, if you can really get your nose in there, which in this kind of glass, you totally get your nose all up in there. So uh, that's kind of nice. The, the people on the... Uh... <laughs> audio version of the podcast are probably like what's he doing? Is he is he putting his nose in something? Which what's going on there?
1: Yeah, he's kinda he's kinda speaking into it. He's kinda distorting his voice. Like that old timey radio announcer.
0: Yes. I am a man of old Kentucky I've seen troubles all my day. That's
2: why I have to explain